Carrie Carnes, working in the power sector has always been a family affair. Growing up, both her parents worked at the Palo Verde Generation Station west of Phoenix. It's the largest nuclear power plant in the country. Her dad worked as the assistant plant manager while her mom managed the instrumentation and labs there. So they would bring us all the kids out to the site and pile us into the Energy Information Center and show us videos about how electricity was made. And then they would put us on a bus and drive us around the site and we would go out to the water rec facility. And then I would always get to spend the afternoon with my mom. Tooling around the country's largest nuclear power plant seemed perfectly normal to Carrie as a kid, but she never imagined working there. So years later, when she took a job at Arizona Public Service during the plant's spring refueling outage, she saw it as a temporary gig, something that tied her over until the next opportunity came along. I never left because one of the beautiful things about EPS, and I think the utility industry on the whole, is there are so many things to do and to learn and to constantly, constantly challenge yourself. Over the past 20 years, Carrie's worked a lot of different jobs at APS. She's operated at all levels of the organization, including an administrative assistant, real-time trader, and regulation manager. Today, she serves as the director of customer-to-grid solutions. Besides maintaining service, Carrie and her colleagues are determined to increase customer adoption of technologies like solar, EVs, and smart thermostats. And so my team's focus is to develop and deliver those programs in a way that are mutually beneficial for our customers, but also for the reliable operation of the grid. It's especially important in Arizona, where extreme summer temps are driving more AC use. And Carrie says it's not easy maintaining service during stronger and stronger heat waves, but it's obviously crucial. It's really what keeps her going. There's so much more that goes into producing that energy that just makes life work. And that, to me, was cool. And so I stayed. This is With Great Power, a show about the people building the future grid today. I'm Brad Langley. Some people say utilities are slow to change, they don't innovate fast enough. And while it might not always seem like the most cutting-edge industry, there are lots of people working really hard to make the grid cleaner, more reliable, and customer-centric. This week, I'm speaking with Carrie Carnes, Director of Customer to Grid Solutions at Arizona Public Service. Carrie and the APS team are leveraging all the resources at their disposal to meet customer demand for electrification. That includes making technologies more affordable to customers who struggle with accessibility. Perhaps they're a limited income customer, or perhaps they don't own their property and don't have the ability to, to kind of install or implement certain technologies. We still want to make sure that we've got options for those customers. And so I really think that's a, one of the most beautiful things about this group. A big part of their strategy is utilizing virtual power plants to help meet that demand. So I asked Carrie about the evolution of that strategy, along with their smart thermostat rebate program, which launched in 2018. From my perspective, Brad, it, it began or it was born really with um, a commission, an Arizona Corporation Commission decision back all the way in 2016 that encouraged us to make year-over-year increases in our peak load management or peak demand management, which is, again, super important and uh, for a utility like APS in a state like Arizona. Yes, you, you hit it spot on. The BYOT program launched in 2018. In the fall of 2020, we also launched our online marketplace, the APS Marketplace, um, through a partnership with NRV. And in doing so, we, we took a step back and made sure that we were delivering the most customer-centric experience possible. How do we make it easy for customers to enroll in these programs? And so with the launch of the marketplace, we also launched the DR or demand response pre-enrollment functionality. 
So that removed kind of those additional barriers for customers in, in the olden days, right? Customers would go out, buy a smart thermostat, they would have to mail in a copy of their receipt, and it would take several billing cycles for that for that um, incentive to show up as a bill credit. But with the launch of DR pre-enrollment on APS Marketplace, all of those available and el- eligible rebates and incentives, those all come off the top at when the customer is going to check out. So it makes those technologies a lot more attainable for customers. We also had some really important partnerships like with Google who helped kind of bring down the cost of those thermostats through specialized campaigns and through marketing runs. Um, And so we launched in 2018. And by the end of this summer, we were nearing 80,000 thermostats. Uh, That's that's significant and exponential growth. And we're excited and and, um, looking forward to new ways to kind of encourage customers to participate in that program and then making sure that we're keeping those customers satisfied on that program as well. So clearly customers have reacted well to these programs. Um, why do you think that is? Is it is it because they like the tech? Is it because you make it easy for them? Is it because it saves them money? Is it a combination of things? Like, what is the value that this program is delivering that has these fantastic enrollment numbers become a possibility? So I think, Brad, it's a combination of all those things that you just mentioned, right? We have put together what we call our APS Cool Rewards Promise. So APS Cool Rewards is kind of the brand name of our um, Smart Thermostat Residential Demand Response Program. And we've committed to our customers that at the end of the day, they always retain control. So our customers, are they, they have the ability to opt out of an event if they need to. Um, and we also have committed to our customers that we're going to make make those calls and dispatch those assets in a way that will not harm them and will hopefully create a benefit also, you know, that that could be interpreted also as energy savings. We've also, I think, um, worked really hard to make sure that the voice of our customers is brought into every part of our program design and Nothing is ever done, right? So when we do pre-season surveys, we do post-season surveys, but we also do post-event surveys so that we're getting more timely feedback from customers while it's fresh in their mind. And tell us about your experience. Was this too long? Was this too much? What didn't you like? You know, there are opportunities for open-ended responses. And that's really enabled us to think very critically about how can we dispatch and leverage this resource in a way that considers the customer, first and foremost, understands the impact of their comfort and making sure that they have control. I mentioned we've got about 80,000 thermostats enrolled. This summer, that translated to 135 megawatts of first-hour contribution. You talked about how the Customer Solutions Group has kind of been pulled out purposefully but how do you function within the utility? Like, how do you how do your groups work together? Because obviously, to design and implement something like this, it takes efforts across the organization. And, you know, I think historically, sometimes the customer groups just kind of been off to the side doing their own thing and not working, not at APS, but in general, not working as closely with the rest of the business. So are there certain methodologies or processes you all um, adhere to to ensure that everything's working harmoniously together? Like, where, where do you guys fit in and, and how do you all communicate? Yeah, great question. So it, it's really important that our team 
um, builds and maintains strong partnerships across the enterprise. And so we're very, very integrated with our resource operations teams, our generation operations teams, our customer service or customer experience operations teams, our regulatory teams. So it does take a great deal of um, time and effort to make sure that we are communicating and creating um, space for those conversations to happen across those groups. We've been intentional about creating kind of um, a cross-section of each of those business units that our work touches and that we have regular check-ins. We, of course, have sidebars with some of those folks as well. But we make a concerted effort to bring all of our stakeholders along for the ride, right, early and often communication so that people understand what we're thinking about, what we're working on, when we're getting ready to launch, something, and then we're creating opportunities for feedback from the business along the way. But I think most important, Brad, and the thing that has um, set customer-to-grid solutions up for success is the support all the way up to the executive level. APS's officer team supports the work of this organization, and they, uh, to a certain extent, are also out speaking to the importance of our work, even when we're not in the room. And that's been, I think, tremendously helpful. I think the other thing that the APS officer team has done that makes this a really unique um, organization is that it's okay to fail. Um, that there's a safe space to learn from those failures and to, and, and to not necessarily even view things that don't exactly work out as failure, but more so as learning opportunities. And so sometimes we'll do a pilot and it doesn't necessarily work out the way that we thought. That's okay. And the, the officer team has made that okay. And that really has driven the innovative spirit of this organization. And we couldn't do that without the support of, of the executive team here at ABS. If we think specifically about the VPP project, who are some of the key stakeholders involved in that initiative specifically? So certainly there's multiple parts of the customer to grid organization, but we also work very closely with our resource management teams, both on the resource planning and the resource operations side of things. We're also working very closely with our T&D engineering team and T&D operations team because we want to make sure that um, as we go through time and we continue to scale that resource, that there's visibility to the to that grid edge tech and that we're, we're communicating those um, forecasts and expectations to our T&D planners so that we're making smart investments on the on the distribution side of things. And so it really is a, kind of all hands on deck and making sure that we are functioning and, and thinking holistically as um, a whole business about what we're trying to achieve, how, where we want to make our investments, and that we're supporting each other in that regard. VPP, virtual power plant, is not a new concept, but in the past few years. Um, how do you define VPP? What are the key components of it? So to me, our virtual power plant is made up of a variety of co- connected devices that participate or enrolled in APS programs that al- allow us to dispatch them to match grid needs. And so I have to imagine that customer feedback is critical to your efforts. So how do you all collect feedback and then implement that feedback to fine-tune and improve programs as needed? I think that the voice of the customer should never be a one-and-done. Product development should never be a one-and-done. And so one of the things that my team has really, really prioritized is making sure that we are 
touching base with customers through the customer advisory board that we have here at APS or focus groups or secret shoppers, or, you know, making sure that we're checking in with customers before we launch something, gathering any feedback, incorporating the things um, that make sense and improve the programs, but then also post-launch, continuing to check back in with customers or post-event, even though I just said, let's not use event. <laughs> Post-event, checking in with customers to understand how did that feel? Did you like it? Did this impact your satisfaction? Are you happier? Are you less happy? And a really good example of that, Brad, was uh, the summer before last. Our customers, um, there were many customers who commented, you know, I'm pretty uncomfortable during these demand response events. I feel like you should pay me more, APS. And we took that to heart. And we went back and we we looked at the math and determined, yeah, we we can compensate you more for for participating in this program, and we increased the annual participation award to from twenty five dollars to thirty five dollars. That was customer feedback making a demonstrative difference in how that program is delivered for all customers. In, in that spirit of innovation and customer feedback, and maybe this is too strong of a word, so I apologize in advance, but have there been any failed pilots within this VPP program that because you're innovating, you're moving, you know, strategically, but quickly to get new programs out there. Has there been something or some things that haven't worked? And I asked because I think one of the values of this show is, you know, as you mentioned, this is an industry people can learn from each other. So are there things that you've done that just didn't quite hit the mark? And if so, you know, what'd you do to maybe enhance those programs going forward? Yeah, absolutely. So again, you know, failure is not my favorite F word, but there was a program that didn't necessarily work out the way that we thought it was going to. That was our connected water heaters program, um, our smart water heater. Uh, I think we were actually calling that reserve rewards at the time. We, what we found in practice, and it was intended to be a pilot, so it was only a couple of hundred water heaters, but what we found in operations and in practice was that there were real connectivity issues with those water heaters, um, and that a majority of the time, a significant amount of them would have been disconnected. They lost Wi-Fi connection and then couldn't get reconnected without additional intervention. And it just got to the point where we said, you know what, this is an interesting technology and we want to continue to partner with this industry and, and keep our eye on it and, and bring it back when it's ready. But this is, it, it's not ready yet. So let's, let's, Let's pull this out. Let's cancel. Let's not spend any more money in this in this space while kind of the technology catches up with what the operational need is of the utility. And I think that that, again, going back to the support of our officer team and, and specifically, you know, our, our um, EVP of operations, his name is Jacob Tedlow. And he is a huge proponent in, you know, failing fast. Failing as affordably as possible, but failing fast. Try new things. Challenge yourselves. Challenge the status quo. And not every single thing you do is going to work, but and that's okay. Learn from those things and then share what you've learned with the rest of the business and with your industry peers so that other people are not, you know, spending time and energy in, in places that might not necessarily work out the way that we want. But you know, it's really one of those things from my perspective. We've got to try new things to be intentional about the investments that we're making, um, begin with discrete pilots and learn before spending a time of a ton of time, energy, and resources on something that maybe doesn't necessarily work the way that we want. When you 
uncover those kinds of situations, how do you then go work with the water heater companies to say, hey, you got to improve this in order for this to be effective? Because I imagine that incentivizes them to upgrade their tech. So like, how do you share learnings also with your partners in the space to ensure that you guys are always pushing forward uh, in terms of optimizing these things and making sure that they work from both a, a customer, a software, and a hardware perspective? Yeah, I think it, it comes down just to that word, Brad, partnerships, right? And even though maybe this specific pilot didn't work on this specific water heater, we want to continue to engage in conversations and and make sure that that all of our partners understand what our long-term strategy looks like, what we're trying to achieve long-term. And then I think it's also, you know, we've got, of course— um, uh, our our partnership with Energy Hub, that's where all of our connect, we, we partner with Energy Hub to deliver our resource operating platform, and that's where all of our connected devices are going through. Um, that's really important from an operational perspective so that we have a single pane of cla- glass to kind of dispatch those assets in a way that match up with grid needs. But that the partnership with Energy Hub is also really fantastic because they deeply understand what APS as the whole is trying to achieve, what my teams are trying to achieve. And they're also amplifying those messages and amplifying their goal, those goals to their partners and the people and the technologies that we're either already working with or that we will be working with potentially in the future. Can you talk to other resources either today or into the future that are part of your VPP strategy? Are there other things you're doing today or are there things that you're planning on for the future that will likely fit into this program? Yeah, absolutely, Brad. So, of course, our our VPP is it's rapidly approaching at 200 megawatts. The The smart thermostat program is is by far the cornerstone of that portfolio. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it represented 135 megawatts of the all-in capacity this past summer. But we also have a residential battery pilot that we're working on. We want to continue to, to learn about how those assets function in our service territory. We want to make sure that we understand the data and and what's happening in real-life operations, um, specifically on any constrained feeders, and understand what that means for long-term planning and um, and investments. Um, We also are looking towards uh, managed EV programs, right? Managed EV charging programs in the future. We've got that a program pending commission approval in our our pending 2023 DSM implementation plan. Um, but we want to apply the the successes of the APS Core Awards program in all of all, all of the program development going forward. And specifically, to me, um, one of the most important things about the thermostat program that applies most directly to kind of the electric vehicle space is that we've made it super easy for customers at the point of sale, at the point of purchase on the thermostat to enroll in these programs and understand what that means to them. I think that there's a real opportunity to partner with Energy Hub and and other entities, but also with the auto manufacturers themselves to to make sure that, you know, from my perspective, this is just my personal opinion, I I think it's clear I am a nerd, okay? So when I buy new things, I'm that person that sits and reads a manual. I want to make sure I understand everything. If it's a technology, I'm I play with all the things. I play with all the buttons. Um, I think that there's a real opportunity there um, when a customer takes delivery of their EV and they're, you know, 
setting up their apps and learning about all the technology in their new car, I think that's the opportunity, or the best opportunity, rather, to present those customers with an opportunity to join a program. Hey, did you know that APS has X, Y, and Z, and would you be interested? Um, or a plan to follow up with customers at a set time, right? Maybe they're, maybe it's overwhelming because there's so many new things to learn about their EV, but knowing who those customers are so we can come back 90 days, 180 days, when maybe they're more willing. But we got to be thinking about how do we present customers with options to learn about these programs, enroll in these programs in the easiest way possible, just removing the roadblocks and barriers that prevent them from participating. And as we know, electrification uh, increases load growth. Can you talk about your outlook for load growth specific to APS's service territory going forward? We are absolutely forecasting and expecting continued load growth in APS service territory. A lot of that is driven by kind of uh, new people moving to the state. Um, there's been a great deal of economic development in Arizona. We've got a lot of um, commercial customers, data center loads coming into the service territory. So we see load growth continuing to grow over time, and we want to be prepared to meet that demand. And can that future demand be met with your VPP strategy? Why or why not? So it certainly will be a part of that solution. So I, I think that um, APS's um, approach is very much making sure that we've got a balanced portfolio, right? And so we want to make sure that we are bringing in um, resources that are delivering on the clean energy commitment that we've made. Um, and we've been doing that. We've been bringing in um, a great deal of, of battery and and solar assets over the last couple of years, and we will continue to do so. But we'll also need to be looking at um, some natural gas solutions to sort of balance that, right, and make sure that we are ready 24-7 to meet that customer demand and meet that demand that still is really, really high and strong after the, the retail on-peak period in those summer months, right? The load just doesn't drop off like it does in the, in the cooler months here. And so we really do view um, demand-side management, energy efficiency, and, and ultimately our partnerships with our customers as a significant component in meeting that demand. But it is part of a broader overall balanced portfolio approach. The role of the customer is also critical to achieving decarbonization targets. I know APS has a carbon-free energy by 2050 goal, like many other utilities across the country, which is fantastic. Uh, including that goal is 65% clean energy by 2030. How do you bring customers into that strategy? How would you define the role that they play? So I, I I would say, Brad, they are incredibly important to that. And specifically, one of the programs that my team has developed and is delivering is called the Green Power Partners Program. This program is really unique because it's designed to help our, our uh, commercial and industrial customers who may have already um, established their own clean or sustainable energy goals to meet that, right? So we're leveraging available recs that we've got, or in some cases, there's um, an opportunity for, for customers to kind of help us pull forward some of those renewable projects that were in the resource plan, but longer, a little bit later down the road. Some customers have been, you know, coming to the table saying, we so so much want to achieve our own goal. How can we help? How can we partner with you? And so we've been able to pull some um, some projects forward, delivering them more quickly 
But at the same time, generating an offset to our renewable energy standard costs or the cost to implement our renewable energy portfolio. So it really is, from, from my perspective, Brad, the Green Power Partners Program is one of those really unique opportunities, you know, it truly is like, it is a win-win-win. Our large CNI customer who has established their own goal, we have, uh, of course, established our clean energy commitment. But to deliver on those two things in a way that has a downward pressure on rates for all other customers, that is what good looks like. And we are excited about that program. We're excited about the um, the interest uh, our CNI customers have have um, exhibited, and we're looking forward to to delivering on more pro- pro- programs or projects just like Green Power Partners. You used to be on a time of use rate that was nine a.m. to nine p.m., which is pretty crazy because a lot of these time of use rates are more three four hour windows. Um, what is what is the role that rates plays in your strategy with your customers? Uh, maybe talk about some of the different rates that you guys option or that you guys offer, and you know why you see that also as an important part of your overall strategy. I've spent my entire life on a demand rate, even as as an adult. After I moved out of my parents' nest and, and bought my own homes, I've always been on a, a time of use plan. And so, yes, it's also true to say, you know, we've we've had a time of use rates in APS service territory for decades. Um, it's fair to say that we've got one of the largest time of use and time of use with demand programs in the country as well. And we definitely have seen those on-peak periods shorten in recent times. And I think that that really is to help, help communicate um, through the rates that shifting your energy usage outside of that on-peak period is the most beneficial to you personally, but also to the broader the broader system as a whole, right? And so definitely having um, um, the the on-peak period even shorter, now it's four to seven in our service territory. That that helps a little bit with customers, um, but... The, what we what we always see is that the time of use is a really effective price signal. All of the programs that my team is working on delivering, notwithstanding, it, you can very clearly see the load drop right before on peak, and you can see it kick back up when you're looking at the load shape. So it 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 works. Customers understand it. They understand why shifting outside of the on peak matters. I think our next challenge, though, is finding ways to communicate with customers that, you know, not all off-peak hours are created equal anymore. Simply saying, wait until the weekend um, doesn't necessarily work in a world that is continually moving towards electrification. Making sure that we're shifting as much energy usage into the middle of the day every single day, that has got to be the goal. That's how we're going to maximize the all of the abundant clean energy on the broader system. And so we've got to find ways to to help customers, you know, hey, pre-cool your house. In Arizona, pre-cooling works. Pre-cooling in my house this year, I was able to get my demand down to about 1KW. It felt like a game, and it felt like winning every single time that I got it that low. But pre-cooling your home in the middle of the day and using that envelope, your home's envelope, to help ride through that on-peak period, or reprogramming your pool cleaner to clean your pool in the middle of the day instead of overnight. As we go through time and as the industry continues to move towards electrification, that will be increasingly important, especially for utilities like mine. We've got to be helping customer uh, customers understand when, when is the best time to use their energy. 
Uh, last question for you. We call this show With Great Power, which is a nod to the energy industry. It's also a famous Spider-Man quote. With great power comes great responsibility. So tell us what your superpower is that you bring to the energy industry. I think an undying enthusiasm and confidence that I might not know all the answers today, but I, I want to roll up my sleeves and work together to figure it out. And I think as we think about moving towards a, a clean energy future, having that open mind and that willingness to try things that might not work and to develop deep, lasting partnerships, those are the things that give me energy and get me up and out of bed and excited to come to work every day. And I, I just, uh, you know, that unending optimism that we are going to figure this out together, um, I think that's my superpower. Love it. Carrie, thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much, Brad. It was great to be with you today. Kerry Carnes is the Director of Customer to Grid Solutions at Arizona Public Service. With Great Power is produced by GridX in partnership with Latitude Studios. Delivering on the clean energy future is complex. GridX exists to simplify the journey. GridX is the enterprise rate platform that modern utilities rely on to usher in our clean energy future. We design and implement emerging rate structures, and we increase consumer investment in clean energy, all while managing the complex billing needs of a distributed grid. Our production team includes Aaron Hardick, Davon Abouaji, and Stephen Lacey from Latitude Studios. The original theme song is from Sean Marquand. Roy Campanella did the mixing. The GridX production team includes Jenny Barber and me, Brad Langley. If this show is providing value for you, and we really hope it is, please help us spread the word. You can rate your review us at Apple and Spotify, or you can share a link with a friend, colleague, or the energy nerd in your life. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Brad Langley.